This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Welcome, friend, to our weekly garden party. We hope you brought along your questions because it's time to dish the dirt. On The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Good morning. It's me, it's Charlie Dobbin, joining you for The Garden Show with a special guest on the phone line, waiting, standing by. Good morning, Frank. Hey, good morning, Charlie. How nice of you to let me join in once again. Oh, it's no letting you join. Come on, you're an, you're an original <laughs> cast member of this uh, Look, entertaining uh, educational here, event. Here in the northern regions of Stouffville, is There's that cell phone. So, the northern regions, I guess the uh, a tornado just went through. No, I'm kidding. So, Frankie, uh, we just lost you briefly. Um, I will... Stand by to hear your voice again because we do love hearing your voice. Frankie is such a fave, uh, and I miss him, and I know you do too. So it's nice to hear his voice. But in the meantime, let me give some phone numbers, and um, and we'll see if we can get Frank back on the line. He he has a tendency to press that cell phone up against his ear and then cause it to go on mute. So we got to get him sorting out how to work his phone, maybe. If you're calling in and you'd like to call in and we'd love to hear from you, I love hearing your questions. But you know what else I love is some of your tips, some of your techniques, some of your tricks. Um, I'll be sharing some with you, uh, some of my tips and tricks throughout the next hour. But uh, anything you've got going on in your garden, love to hear from you. Local callers, 416-360-0740. And if you're from outside the GTA, you can always call in at 866 866- Seven four zero four seven four zero, and uh, yeah, like I say, thrilled to hear from you. Um, I think Frankie was just going to talk about the uh, weather at his place, and I know that. Um, uh, uh, oh, are you there, Frankie? Hi, Charlie. <laughs> so you were starting to say something about the northern reaches of Newmarket. Yeah, it's well, Stouffville actually. We're closer to. Oh, we are indeed closer to uh, Newmarket. It's zero degrees. You guys in Midtown Toronto are uh, experiencing about four degrees, I think, thereabouts. Anyway, a, a delight to uh, join you once again. I found I, I miss I miss chatting with you so darn much. Uh-huh. I wanted to join in again if I can. Uh, that's good. Well, I, you know, we miss your voice for sure. And Frankie, you're always fun. So, you know, fun and Frank go together. So <laughs> let me tell you, let me tell you, talking about, talking about fun, I'm having a riot, uh, watching Shirley decorate the property with all sorts <laughs> of Halloween stuff. We've got a skeleton on a chair sitting in the driveway as well. She picked up an old bike, painted it, spray painted it white. So it's very ghostly, but uh, decorated with flowers and a few other Halloween things. But we've got the idea, actually. A little. Wow, that's not a very good line, eh? Frank is really 
You're really breaking up, my my friend. Listen, uh-huh. let's go to a quick uh-huh. break. Maybe we can get you located where we don't have so much breaking up. But wow. when we get back from important okay. messages from our sponsors, we have Sandra on the line calling in from Etobicoke right after this. Don't change stations just because the weather changes. Garden tips and advice all year round. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. And Charlie is, I think, being joined by our favorite yeah. co-host, Frank Proctor. <laughs> Frank, well, are you there? We keep, we keep trying. Uh, <laughs> are we making it this time? I can hear you. Okay. Just wanted to make a quick comment about a bird feeder that I saw Shirley just putting out in the main deck here. Uh, should we continue to do that through the winter? For sure. The, the winter is when birds need to be fed the most. Right there now, you go. Yeah, okay. right now, that's, there's a lot of food super. for the birds. There's a lot of various, you know, plants and weeds and just plant growth yeah. that has gone to flower and seed. So I find my feeders are not going down very quickly at this time uh-huh. of year, but I anticipate they'll start being much more popular in the next month or so. Okay. I don't know whether you caught my comments on a little town about uh, Brecken. Mm-hmm. Uh, Something on Main are, Street? It's a little town on the uh, on Highway 12, and the Main Street is uh, festooned with bicycles that are painted white with flowers, and it's gorgeous, just terrific. Nice. And uh, Shirley has emulated that for our, our driveway too. Nice. So that's where she got her idea. Yeah. Uh, now I don't know where I don't know where you are as, as far as calls are concerned. Have you dealt with uh, Linda Moore's questions yet? Uh, no, we're we're just going to go to Sandra, who's on the line calling in from Etobicoke. Okay, away you go then. All right. Good morning, Sandra. Good morning, Charlie. How's things at your place? Ah, uh, still looking good. <laughs> no frost yet. Lots of flowers. Um, My question is, I read an article, I have a composter, I've had one for years, and this article suggested that you put in shredded newspaper and cardboard. Mm -hmm. It was written by quite a well-known gardener, and I have some doubts about it. Okay, so I can explain to you why, what that's all about. For many of us, when we're making our own compost in a composter, we tend to fill it predominantly with what are called greens. So greens would be, you know, grass Mm -hmm. clippings, um, weeds that we've pulled out of the garden, pruning that we've done. Mm -hmm. So uh, even kitchen scraps that tend to be wet and soft. And what can end up happening is your composter can end up smelling quite sour, almost almost a bit, um, you know, pond-like, you know, just oh. a little too wet, a little too, well, we, we, it's called anaerobic conditions. It's when there's lack, not enough oxygen getting to the microbes that are, you know, all the little tiny, tiny microorganisms that want to get to work in your composter. They need air. So that's where the paper comes in. If Paper, or uh, if you happen to have a nice pile of topsoil sitting in your backyard, a couple of shovelfuls uh, yes, of soil I, I is put topsoil in. I, I, I layer it with the green and Good. then the, the topsoil. There you go. So you don't need to worry about paper or cardboard. I just wondered about the ink on the print of newspaper. <clears throat> 
in the last, oh, about 10 years ago, the newspapers all went like really a vegetable uh, dyes and such. So you won't find, and of course, you don't put the color, the shiny color pages in. It's just the plain black and white. But no, that won't, there's no toxicity in those papers or shouldn't be. But uh, but if you've got soil and you're able to layer it in, you don't need to do paper. This time of year is great for leaves, right? you got dry yeah. leaves sticking around. Toss them in. I do that too. Yeah, I also yeah. have a tip for the lady that called in a few weeks ago about her garden, uh, front garden beds with the Norway maple. She mm-hmm. couldn't grow anything. I mm-hmm. have exactly the same problem, and the way I got round it, I put in a dry riverbed and then mm. very large containers on the oh, stone. Um, I'm talking about commercial size containers. Right, big, yeah. It, it is a you know bit of work having to fill them with annuals in the summer and then winter decorations but it does give you the flowers and it gets over that problem of not being able to dig up the soil right because it's so many roots um that, it, it, it's impossible remember, just impossible. yeah she said she, yeah she just couldn't get through that's a good idea and of course you're under norway maple so i guess what you're choosing to put in those big containers are shade tolerant annuals bright coleus yeah. and things like coleus, that begonias. um i find the um tuberous begonias do well mm-hmm. even the geraniums do well mm-hmm. i i put in some plants that i have inside so the tropicals right good um, idea. crotons they do well oh, yeah. oh, so, so you can make it quite colorful Right. I always would have thought crotons would like more sun than, than what they would get under the maple. It survives. I yeah, think, good. And it doubled in size this year. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so, you know what, the thing that we don't always realize is the reflected light. So it might not be getting direct light, but there's lots of reflected light off the road, off the leaves of the tree, off your house, who yeah. knows, cars yeah. going by. So it's probably brighter than we realize it's under brighter. the tree. It's more that I don't have to deal with that matted soil that doesn't mm-hmm. allow anything to grow. And you're right. And even if you added soil on top of that soil, the roots would just move up into that soil, too. Yes, so, yes. I, I used to dig it out once every three years. It was ridiculous. Okay. Well, good tip. I hope I'm just, I know I remember the call you're talking about, so I should probably look back and just, uh, yeah, the, the difficulty of getting things growing under uh, trees. So, it's yeah, thanks. That's a great under tip. The, 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 the tree, the tree is on the boulevard, and so mm-hmm. it's, you know, a good few feet back, but it's still, the roots are still there. Right. Right. Anyway. Gotcha. Good stuff. Thank you, Sandra. Thank you, Good Charlie. question Bye-bye. and good tip. <laughs> I'm just looking back to see who that Here. was. So, if I can give the phone, go ahead. Three six zero zero seven forty, and anywhere in the province, toll free one eight six six seven forty four seven forty. Let's go to a quick break, and um, and we'll be right back. Important messages from the sponsors, but love to hear your tips your tricks, your techniques, your Halloween uh, um, decorations, and, uh, and any questions you've got about your garden coming up right after this. Fur and feathers and bugs of all size. There's more going on in the garden than you realize. Should small creatures become a big problem, then you've got The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Exclusively on Zoomer Radio. 
Yep, you've got today Charlie Dobbin and special guest Frank Proctor, whom perhaps may have had to leave the show. Uh, we've had some issues, just just uh, echoes back and forth. And, and of course, I was kind of not hearing him, though I guess you people could hear Frank, but I couldn't. So let's um, carry on. We've got callers on the line, and I would love to hear what is actually happening here. We've got, let's see, Becky calling in from Dundas. Good morning, Becky. Good morning, Charlie. Nice to hear you and Frank. Yeah, um, I have a problem, well, not a problem, but I have a beautiful butterfly bush, mm-hmm. and I've never grown one before, so I'm not sure, do I cut it back in the fall, or do I wait until spring? Personally, I would wait till spring. Okay. And the reason why is because depending on the kind of winter we have, butterfly bush is a fairly tender plant. It's about a zone five, it and it is a woody shrub, mm-hmm. so a woody perennial. And if we have a mild winter, you'll find in the spring that there's lots of life in the above ground growth, but you'll still have a little bit of dead tips and a little bit of dieback, and you'll trim off all the flowers in the spring and trim off anything dead, and before you know it, you're back in business with a beautiful shrub. If we have a really harsh winter, cold temperatures, wind, not a lot of snow, you'll find that the plant will look completely dead in the spring. Everything looks completely dead and you'll wait and you'll wait and eventually some little green leaves will start to grow right down at ground level. And at that point, you know where the life is and then you cut everything off where there's no green, which, you know, sometimes is 90. Yeah, so it's everything above ground basically gets cut down almost like a perennial where, you know, hostas and such. Okay. All right. Okay. Great. Thank you very much. Yeah, you're very welcome. Yeah, I just find that works best. And that way you, you know it's alive. And and they can be a little tricky, but you know what? If you've got it planted where it's not going to get too much intense wind, they are a lovely plant. And, you know, it's great you mentioned that because that's on my job list today. I have some plants to plant, and one of them is a beautiful butterfly bush for my one of my sort of sheltered areas here on my property. So I'm, I'm dressed in my work clothes, and I'm ready to get outside as soon as uh, – as soon as the show is done. So, yep, I'm on it. Butterfly bushes, highly recommended. Butterflies, love them. Um, All right, we've got, let's see. Um, John is on the line, but Diane, I think, is next up. Good morning, Diane, calling in from Dorchester. I love your show so much. When we've been at our trailer, I'll tell you, when I first couldn't get you on a Saturday, I went. People thought I was crazy. I was sitting out in the truck so I could listen to you (laughs) on my truck radio, can you believe it or not? And your very last show, um, my husband uh, put you on the iPad, so I got to see you and Charlie, or pardon me, Frank, for his very last show. Oh, nice, nice, nice. Yeah. Anyway, my first... question, I'll get along quickly here. It's my rhubarb patch. We mm-hmm. moved here 21 years ago, so 21 years ago we started our rhubarb patch, and we did it within the, um, we have a fence on the north side of our property, a wooden fence, and we planted the rhubarb patch in there. Now, these, these rhubarb roots were from another uh, friend of ours. They were quite old, but they did marvelously, like, Sometimes I, in one uh, picking, I could get 17 cups. 
And wow. over the years, it sort of uh, dwindled down. And then we decided that we were going to put our bird feeder in there. And, of course, all the seeds sprouted. So a friend told me, well, next year, why don't you get the black landscape fabric and put it down? And we did. And it was wonderful because I could just collect the seed up or vacuum it up or whatever. And I didn't have to pull all these little uh, seeds. But then I thought, oh, my rhubarb's not doing so good. So last year, what we did is we did put the sheep manure because I was listening. I heard you should put some sheep manure on it. Yeah. And I, uh, we didn't put the, the uh, black landscape fabric. But this summer, I don't know what happened. Uh, my one row is totally non-existent, and the other one is only just uh, one little batch. And it's, um, it's, a, it's a younger uh, uh, rooting of the rhubarb. Now, on the right side, I do have three cedar uh, bushes, and on the left side, we have a burning bush. But it hasn't been a problem in the past, and I'm just wondering, what can I do to resurrect my uh, rhubarb? Rhubarb. Well, okay, so is how much sunlight, direct sunlight, do you think the rhubarb is getting now? Uh, we, we get quite a bit during the daytime. Of course, today it's uh, very overcast, but uh, yeah. We normally get quite a bit. Uh, it gets a lot of sun. Yeah, it gets a lot of sun. We were almost thinking of transferring it from there and putting it um, on a, it inside a west fence. But okay. it only gets just so much sun, and there's uh, maple trees and a mulberry bush over there, and now we've got some raspberry bushes planted in there as well. Well, keeping in mind that um, rhubarb wants like uh, what we call full sun, so six hours plus of direct sun daily when yeah. the sun is shining, obviously. So I'm not sure if I necessarily transfer to another area with less light. The cedars can create some problems just because by virtue of being cedars, they have a tendency to m modify the soil with their roots <clears throat> just because <clears throat> they like to make it you know, comfortable for themselves and nobody else. So the the cedars could be having some impact. Burning bush, no no impact whatsoever, unless it's a, a shade situation where it's just getting big and starting to create some shade. Um, in terms of rejuvenating, I think that the idea you had with the uh, composted manure was a good one. I would definitely uh, do that every year, whether it's spring or fall. And it's roughly an inch or so of this well composted organic matter that should go around the plants. The other thing is this was a very hot, dry summer. So it is possible that the rhubarb was just suffering in all the heat because it does not like all that high heat, nor does it like drought. So it could be that the plants just didn't do much this year because they were just not able to, because uh, of the environment, you know, things that couldn't get around. Um, and every year is a new year. So it is possible that with more top dressing that the, the, they'll pop, you know, come back big time uh, next year. Okay, well, I'll keep my fingers crossed then, and I'll, uh, yeah, we'll give it one more year, and if not, then I'll uh, maybe have to take it all out and start with some uh, newer plants. Some of these plants have got to be over 35, 40 years old. Right. Well, it's, um, <clears throat> honestly, there, hasn't, there has not been a lot of work done on selecting or breeding new varieties of rhubarb. Uh, the rhubarb that we're growing tends to be the exact same rhubarb that our grandmothers grew. So yeah. genetically, it, there's nothing new out there that I know of. Now, there could be somebody could give me a call and, and have more information on this than I'm currently cognizant of. But bottom line is, yeah, rhubarb, is. It, you're right. It's uh, just because the plants are old 
old doesn't mean that their genetics are any worse off. But you're, but you're right. Just the idea of like, if you see any little suckers coming off the main plants, always a good idea to separate daughters from mothers. And, you know, that, that idea of um, dividing f- for the health of the plants, right? You don't want them crowded. Okay. All right. Thank you so much for your help. Yeah. I really appreciate it. Oh, okay. my pleasure. Bye-bye. Thanks, thanks for calling, Diane. No, that's great. Diane's story about sitting in the truck, uh, listening to the show, because when she moved, she wasn't getting the the uh, the AM signal. That's very, it's a sweet story. And I have heard that before from um, people that, you know, retired and left the GTA and went up to Owen Sound or Midland or places and said the same thing that they could not without it, an antenna, which they ultimately ended up installing, could not get the show on Saturday. So I had to sit outside in the car, which is lovely. I love that story. But remember, we stream, <clears throat> we stream live on the web, which is also what Diane was saying with, with her iPad. She was able to go to the AM740 website. There's a, a little icon on the website that says listen live. And if you go to the listen live, uh, press that you will be taken into the studio. So if I was in the studio, which I'm not today, but if you're, if I'm in the studio, uh, you'll see me on, on streaming both audio and video. I am in my home office right now. So you won't get me on video. You're only going to get the audio, but, uh, but yes, got to love technology when it, when it works, because there's nothing better than working technology. Uh, all right. Look, our, it looks like our, I was gonna say our old friend. It's not an old friend. Our regular caller, John is calling in from Mississauga. Good morning, John. Good morning, Charlie. Good morning, Frank. I hope he's listening. Um, Charlie, I thank you very much for your email back. I really appreciate it. Um, now, <laughs> I have a little bit of a question regarding, shall I, I'm making trench in my garden, and I'm burying these apples. Because of the maggots or whatever they are, is that okay? Wait, wait, so you, you said you're built, you built uh, a trench? No. Yeah, you know, what I do is I, I dig, uh, I take some of the soil and put it on the side, and then I bury the apples and put the soil back uh, instead of throwing them in the yard waste. Okay, I've been so, doing that even with, with, with old apples, like, for example, if I'm peeling apples, mm-hmm. I won't put the seeds. Mm-hmm. So what I'm saying is... Um, the, 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 oh. most, most of the red delicious, not the golden delicious or the Macintosh, mm-hmm. they were fine. But yeah, like, like I said before, um, the Red Delicious, they're all more or less, m- most of them, they're all uh, kaput. So yeah, what I'm well, saying I, is, I, I pick up all these uh, apples and put them in the garden, bury them in okay, the garden. Not with the Red Delicious. You've got to get those off the property. Um, so, so I know. So good about burying them. I wouldn't. I wouldn't keep the red delicious on the property because you did send me photographs. <clears throat> they were yeah. definitely, as you said, kaput. The crop was not there for you. Uh, very dimpled, very misshapen, lots of yeah. brown spots. And um, yeah, apple maggots, coddling moths. There's a number of insects that get into those apples way back in the spring. So what you've got to do is get those uh, apples off the property <clears throat> and even into the yard waste bags. Let the municipality in, in Mississauga deal with them. Yeah, and then yeah, you, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, I, put but, them, I put them in the, you know, like in, in my, uh, uh, how do you call it, in my yeah. yard waste collection, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, no, it's just fine. But I would just, I wouldn't keep them on the property. Uh, but, but I do you think it, uh, because to be honest with you, I, I did two trenches already. 
Um, will, so, so the insects will still be in the garden then, Charlie? They could be. Oh, it my depends. gosh. I well, made a boo-boo then. Well, it just depends what kind of a winter we have. You see, so many of these insects, their life cycles are designed to survive winter. Uh, however, you know, whether it's in an egg form or a pupa form, or, and and uh, I'm not, I couldn't give you the life cycles of all the different insects that attack apples because apples are very yummy and there's lots of lots of pests. So main thing is whenever you've got an issue with any pest, on any plant, but particularly a sweet plant like an apple tree, uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, recognize the importance of like you're doing. Cleaning up is great, but sometimes you got to clean up and actually take stuff off the property. But burying, you know what? Burying is better than nothing. It's certainly better than leaving anything on the surface. Yeah. No, no, no. I'll do that then. I'll, I'll, uh, I stop doing what I did twice, so I'm gonna, mm-hmm. you know, stop doing it and throw them in and in, in the and uh, the yard waste. All right. Okay, Charlie. Right. Thank you very much, yes. and uh, all the best to both of you. Thank you. And John, you stay on top of those apples next spring. Remember, we're going to get those sprayed up with some BTK, uh, all based on the weather, right? We're going to. It's all about weather when these various pests suddenly become an issue in our in our orchards, in our yards. And fruit trees are just so yummy. We love them, and so does just about everything else. Um, all righty. Let's see. We've got Nancy calling in from Burlington. Good morning, Nancy. Okay. Not hearing Nancy. Let me quickly do the phone numbers. <clears throat> and, uh, man, it could be my signal that's causing a problem, but I don't think so, but it could be. You never know. I'm all the way in Prince Edward County. If you'd like to call in with tips, tricks, techniques, or questions, love to hear from you. Local callers, 416 416- or outside the GTA 866-740-4740. All right, Sharon's on the line from Gravenhurst. Good morning, Sharon. Yes, good morning. Good morning, Frank, if you're still there. (laughs) Always a treat to hear his voice. I know. (laughs) Um, What I'm phoning about, um, my geraniums. Normally, I bring them in in their pots and put them in a nice sunny window, and they survive. Uh, this year, that sunny window is now taken up by my cat tree, so I don't have room for the pot. <laughs> cat tree, like a tree for the cat? Yeah. Well, not an actual tree, the you know, a climbing thing. Yeah. <laughs> but wow. Anyway, that's taken precedence. In the sun. That's nice. Oh, yeah. So, um, I know we can take them out of the pot and shake the dirt off, put them in a you know, bag or box in a cool, dark place. My problem is I don't have a cool, dark place. Mm-hmm. I don't have a basement or anything. So mm-hmm. do I just give up and buy new next year? Um, do you have any window that could handle, you know, even one pot? Um, the cat sits up in the windows. Oh, <laughs> He's well, taking yes. over the house, basically. It sounds like it. Like, uh, I have okay, two geranium you know. pots. Mm-hmm. Right. I didn't know whether to try putting them in a box and putting them in my laundry room, but it's fairly warm. 
No, won't work. So just to, because it's it's interesting, Sharon, we haven't had this problem, or sorry, this question yet this year, but it seems like every summer, every fall, it does come up because everybody remembers their grandmothers, their mothers taking the geraniums, like you said, knocking the soil off the roots, hanging them upside down in the basement in the dark and having them go dormant in the basement in the dark. And then in the spring, being able to use those pretty shriveled up, wrinkled up geraniums that would still have some life in them and start taking cuttings off of them in the spring and proceed back outside with a whole new crop of fresh young geraniums. The reason that worked in the past, and it's very tough to make it work now, is that back in the day, basements weren't like they are now. They had uh, earth floors, they were dark and they were cool. There was no forced air heat ducts heating them up, them up to uh, room temperature. Uh, there was no big screen TVs. There was none of that going on in basements. Um, basements tended to be very much almost like a root cellar. And that humidity and cool temperatures and darkness kept the geraniums alive. Not beautiful, but alive, alive enough that we could propagate uh, in the future from, from what we had dug up. My basement, that would never work. It's way too warm. So the only way I can keep geraniums alive is to literally be able to bring the pots in or take some cuttings. Even now, maybe go outside, Sharon, with some scissors, take some four to six inch tip cuttings from your geraniums, cut off the flowers. You don't want those. You just want stems with leaves. Remove the lower leaves. Get those little cuttings into a jar with some water and put that little jar somewhere where the cats won't knock it over and somewhere where it will get some light. You will get some roots eventually. It might take a month or so, but keep the water topped up, and uh, at some point you'll get some roots. And and at least you don't have to go and buy all new geraniums. You'll have something to start with next spring. So certainly worth a try would be my suggestion rather than uh, just tossing. Okay. That's great. Thank you very, very much. Thanks so much for calling and look after Gravenhurst for us, as Frank would say. (laughs) All right, it's 940. We do need to just step away from the microphone for a couple minutes, but not going anywhere. So stay with us. We will be right back and we'll be talking with uh, Ken, who's calling us, calling in from Scarborough right after this. Daffodils and daisies, bluebells and begonias, forsythia and foxgloves, marigolds, magnolia, lavender and lupins, dahlias, delphiniums, stalks, fox, hollyhocks, tulips and sweet williams. You've picked the right place for everything floral. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Yes, indeed, on this beautiful day. I mean, it's not that beautiful, but it's it's crisp. I love a fall, crisp fall, morning fall day to get out and get some work done. Uh, I do have work to do in my garden, even just putting away things like my concrete bird bath, which I is so new, I don't want to risk break, you know, breaking in the frost. And, you know, solar lights that are lovely when the sun shines, but not so lovely when they're under snow. So, you know, and then there's the planting and the bulbs. I have bulbs to plant. So I've got a beautiful mix. <clears throat> I got um, two different kinds of miniature daffodils. So the one's called minnow. I think the other one is tete-a-tete. So bags of those, mix those up with, I've got a big box full of this mix. Um, Scylla, one of my favorite little blue naturalizing bulbs, and Galanthus, or snow, um, I was going to say snowdrops, no, what's it called? Uh, Galanthus is a very early blooming white um, flowering bulb. Anyway, 
box. I got a box with 700 bulbs all that mix in the box. And I'm just going to get out there and uh, excavate some holes in my garden and roll out piles of bulbs into the holes and throw the soil on top and see what happens next spring. Love it. Love doing that stuff. And that's on my list for this afternoon. Uh, but in the meantime, we've got Ken on the line calling in from Scarborough. Good morning, Ken. Morning, Charlie. What's going on at your place? Okay. Uh, my question is regarding uh, the removal of a tree stump. Um, we just had a tree cut down by an arborist, and there's about uh, an inch to two inches of stump still showing above the ground. Mm-hmm. And I was wondering if you had any uh, any suggestions on how we could uh, treat that stump to get it to rot quickly. Right. Well, two things come to mind. One would be an actual stump grinder, which your arborist should be able to uh, bring into your yard. And what they do, it's like a chainsaw that goes underground, yeah. and it'll go this, down about this, eight or nine uh, inches. This stump is located in a, in a really awkward spot. It was pretty well all they could do to get the uh, the tree down. <laughs> Let alone so getting right, a grinder in. So, is it right up against the house, or, or? it was it was right on the, right in the corner of uh, fencing, and uh, we had to remove several of the fence sections just to get it. But anyway, go ahead. Okay, so that you're right might make it awkward. the The other uh, thought that came to mind is probably not going to work very well either. I'm not even sure if it still exists, but there used to be a product out there, and it was called Stump Remover. So if you Google Stump Remover, and what it is is it's saltpeter, which is potassium nitrate. So it's a package with a powder in it. You go out to your stump, you get a big bit on your drill, the biggest bit you've got, you drill holes into the stump. You pour this potassium nitrate into the uh, holes, And uh, it will speed up the decomposition. Of course, if you're not in an urban environment and you're not close to wooden fences or homes, you can then, after you've followed all the instructions, pour kerosene into these drilled holes in your stump. And then you light the kerosene and you do what's called smolder burning on the stump. But you're not going to do that in Scarborough, so don't even consider it. You're too too (laughs) urban. But it is a it's a really fast way to get rid of a stump, you know, really fast. It still takes, you know, it, it's going to take a full six months to get rid of a big old stump. But point is, you can it's speed up stump removal, and, you know, stump degradation by doing that. Um, boy, other than that, it's a it's a nice pedestal to put a birdbath on, maybe. Oh, well, we'd like to get the fence rebuilt. So, you know, we want to get rid of as much of the stump as we can. It's, it's mm-hmm. honest to God, it's, it's, it's really straddling four properties. It's, mm-hmm. it's right in the corner. Bummer. So it's a pretty old tree, I guess. Uh, okay, so uh, stump remover is what I should be looking for then. Yeah, Google if that product still exists and see if it's available in, in Ontario. And consider purchasing it, whatever you do, do not try and smolder burn, but you can start a chemical degradation on the, uh, and it will not, it's it's not poisonous to anything. It'll just start the process of making that stump disappear. Just, okay, that's that'd great. That'd be my best suggestion. <laughs> Thanks for your help, Charlie. My pleasure. But yeah, it's a tough one. Yeah, when we get into, like he said, straddling four properties, that is, that's probably a very good sized stump. Uh, all right. Let's see, who else have we got going on here? We've got Peggy calling in from Mississauga. Good morning, Peggy. Hi. Um, Yes, I have a poinsettia, Mm -hmm. which I brought in 
have it in the dark box in the basement. Now, okay. what do I do for the next eight weeks? Can I water it or leave it as it is? Okay, so you've got to realize that you can't leave it in the dark box 24 hours a day. No, I didn't know that. I emailed you about it, but I don't understand you're busy. Uh, oh, oh, I see. Okay, so here's here's the way it works. Okay, you need to give up if you want to try and take a green poinsettia that you have right now that's green and healthy and bushy and it's been outside all summer. You want those leaves to turn red or pink or white, depending on what kind of poinsettia it is. You will need to um, provide pitch black 12 hours out of every 24 for the next six to eight weeks. So that could be a, just a box, like you said, over top of it. Um, it, it, it the, poinsettias will naturally turn color as long as they get sufficient dark, but that dark has to be pure dark. No little cracks in the cardboard box. Sometimes people will put the, put the plant, the poinsettia in the front hall cupboard, close the door, and then somebody forgets and goes to get their coat out of the cupboard and the light comes on. As soon as the light comes on, you have to start it. You have to start the whole process again. No, so it's, it's in complete hours. darkness, but I haven't taken it out of this darkness for two weeks since I put it in. All right. So you go right now and you pull that poinsettia into the light, see what it looks like. It may have dropped some leaves along the way, but two weeks isn't that long. You you basically want to grow it as you would grow it normally, with light, with water, with, you know, tender oh, loving so care. Oh, so I take it out of the dark for 10 hours a well, day? 12 hours of light, 12 hours of dark. Oh, and water it? Yes, indeedy, as required. Uh-oh. Okay, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> Off you go. <laughs> Thanks for calling. <laughs> Sorry to laugh, but yeah, it, it, it's a bit of a project. Doing that poinsettia coloring thing is a bit of a project. People do take it on. I get it. But uh, it's a bit challenging. So it's fine when it works. And if it doesn't work, you can always get a new one. <laughs> All right. On that note, let's go to our final break. And I'm not going anywhere. So I hope you're not going anywhere. Coming right back to see what's going on in Nancy's Garden in Burlington right after this. Don't change stations just because the weather changes. Garden tips and advice all year round. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Yes, indeed. Just a few more minutes left in The Garden Show before we all put on our rubber boots and our windbreakers and get outside and get doing get to some of those late summer midfall uh, chores even even just getting those pumpkins carved for when the kids come around next weekend we are you know for sort of all intents and purposes we're kind of acting like the pandemic's over um even where i teach at durham college We've been teaching virtually. All our lectures have been online. Labs are in person, but lectures have been online for seems like the last two years. But starting in December, or sorry, starting in January, we're back uh, to, um, lecturing face to face with the students. So that's going to be a big change for those of us that have been happily staying at home in our pajamas. Anyway, kind of like doing the radio show from home and in my pajamas, though I'm not. I'm ready to get out into the garden. Uh, Nancy's still waiting for us. Nancy, good morning. Calling in from Burlington. What's happening at your place? Oh, hi, Charlie. Um, I have two um, calories that I've never yes. grown before. Um, they're huge and they've been beautiful. And what I want to know is whether or not I can save the bulb or the corn or the um, mm -hmm. or whatever it's called. Mm -hmm. and Are they in, in the ground or in pots? They're in pots. Perfect. 
is there any place, any way you can just leave them in the pot? So what will happen is you're going to get a frost eventually. When the frost happens, the leaves are going to drop. This will happen with the dahlias, with the canna lilies, with the calla lilies. The leaves will just turn black and drop. At that point, once that frost has happened, the the um, underground rhizome, or I think it is a corm actually, in the case of a calla lily, will go dormant. And you'll trim off all that foliage and you will move the pots, if you have any way you can do this, into a frost-free location. It could be a shed, it could be a garage, just somewhere where it's cool, frost-free is important, and then you're just going to leave them alone. They're just going to sit all winter in their pots, and you're ready to go next spring to haul them out as, when the weather gets nice, and they will wake up and start growing again. Uh, the problem is that the the, um, the pot uh, is in another pot, and it's almost immovable. Uh, so I'm going to have to take the calabili out of the pot. Okay, so you can take it out and put it in another pot if you like the idea of just leaving it in a pot because that is by far the easiest way to overwinter. Otherwise, it's a dig it up after there's been a frost. Again, make sure there's been a frost so that the plant truly goes dormant. Right now, it's still got green leaves. It probably has oh, yes. flowers. It's still, it's still very active. Yeah, so so that cold temperature that is coming in the next week or two or you know three will yeah. put the plant into a dormant state. At that point, you will dig it up out of the pot. You will lay it out on some newspapers uh, in a under cover, whether it's again in the garage or porch or the basement, just to dry the whole mess down a bit. It, it, you, after uh, four or five days of lying out in the air like that, you can brush off some of the excess soil, trim off all the dry roots, dry you know dead foliage. Now you've just got the storage organ, so to speak, and now it just needs to be put into a nice clean could be a rubbermaid box could even be a cardboard box something that has peat moss or dry potting soil clean sterile medium peat moss works well um bury the the uh the rhizomes in under the peat moss or the sterile potting mix and uh let them spend the winter there you might you'll check them every couple of weeks you may need to spritz some water just because the, the the root may dry up too much but at the bottom line you do want to uh, just keep it dormant slight bit of moisture not too much dark is important cool is nice if you can if you can provide that and again pot the whole mess back up again next march or april okay well, well thanks very much charlie you're welcome. Yeah, they're quite nice. It's the kind of plant that when you buy them, you pay quite a lot for them. And if they do well, which it sounds like a lot of the callas did really well this summer, uh, it's a it's a plant you want to save if you can. Just it, it'll die if you leave it outside, fine. But nice to save because it's bigger now than when you bought it, and it's going to be even better next summer than it was this summer. Um, just going to quickly, uh, instead of going to another call, I just want to get to one email. I do have quite a pile of emails here. So I've got one email here that I'm going to share. It is from Pat Seeger. And uh, Pat writes in to say, uh, wondering if the ferns I have for outside summer hanging plants can be planted in the ground. Is there a difference? Thanks, Pat in Burlington. So yes, indeed, Pat, there is a difference. Likely the ferns that you have outside for summer hanging plants are Boston ferns. Boston ferns are very pretty, but they're also very tender. They are not going to survive in the winter, even in the ground. 
You could take them inside. People will often try and overwinter Boston ferns inside. They do have pretty high needs when it comes to high humidity, uh, bright indirect light, no direct light. Um, the other ferns that sometimes people will have uh, are called Kimberly ferns, not so much of a hanging plant, but a very pretty uh, upright fern. Again, not a hardy fern. So um, any of those tender ferns, you want to keep them, get them inside today. Don't leave it until uh, until we've got, you know, sort of frost imminent uh, and clean them up, water them thoroughly, get them into the house and try and provide what they need. And the shower is the best spot for them. Let them live in the shower and let them shower with you because they do love that humidity. Uh, all right. Well, that was a very fun show. Thank you for your questions. Um, keep them coming. Do love it. The the we did an experiment with Frank, so we're gonna maybe uh, see if we can work out some of the kinks. I I love his voice. I love hearing from him. And uh, but that was um, I guess you guys could hear him, but I couldn't. So maybe the issues at my end. Who knows? Either way, enjoy. Enjoy the weekend. There is rain coming, so get those bulbs planted. Don't forget the bulbs and call me in January and say, I just found a bag of bulbs. Let's get them in the ground this weekend. Take advantage of the wonderful weather. Enjoy the rest of the week. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, Carlos. Thanks, Frank. See you all again next week. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.